I've just about had enough of you. I'm more than machine. A man made out of pigs. I am at your disposal with 187 other languages along with their various dialects and subtongues. Dialects and subtongues. Hello. Oh, there you are. Uh, welcome to another episode of 50 Years of Shit Robots with Matt and Stephen. It's been a while, Stephen Murray, since we've re-established the point of why we meet up every week and talk about random films. So you are a, a senior lecturer in film, TV and media at Teesside University. Yes, I am, yes. Now this whole premise came out of a lecture that you did what is the point of what we're doing? Yeah, it was a lecture called Pivotal Moments in Science Fiction Films. I noticed that when I was doing this, because I'm a big lover of robots, that between 1927 and Machina Mensch Maria, the beautiful robot in Metropolis, and C-3PO in uh, Star Wars in 1977, that in that period, that 50-year period, there is just a wasteland of shit robots. Yeah, so, I mean, I'd almost say that the podcast should be called 50 Years of Shit Robots? Question mark. Yeah, because it's moot, because there are some favourites out there. Some there people. are, and we've, we've discovered, we're, we're currently, we're going to be looking at a film from 1954 in today's episode. So we are sort of almost halfway through the, that time period, I suppose, mm, aren't we? Yeah, we are, yeah. And we have found at least, I'd say, two non-shit robots. Lovable. Yeah. But there are an awful lot of shit ones. Oh, God, yeah. They, which, they're meaningless. Which brings us nicely <laughs> to 1954 and the British film Devil Girl from Mars. I remember it from when I was a kid, and I've watched it twice since. I've watched a black and white version, and I've watched an AI colorized version. Oh, right. Did that make it any better? Uh, yeah, it, it did. did. Okay. Yeah, it brought out the chintz in the curtains. <laughs> well, I mean, I'd say that there are. I can. I can imagine it making an impression on a on a, on a young person because it is. There are lots of quite memorable bits to it. There are. If it hit me at a certain age, I could say actually, this film made me gay. <laughs> <laughs> because of the because extraordinary of outfit of the. the Fabulous outfit on Naya, the devil girl from Mars. Yeah. Okay, so just to summarise the plot, you got Naya, the devil girl from Mars, yeah. who sort of crash lands in Scotland. Yeah. She's on her way to London, <sighs> we yeah. discover, because, and she's from Mars, obviously, devil girl from Mars, um, because there's been a, a big war on Mars, a war of the sexes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the w women have, uh, have become the dominant um, force. There are no men left on Mars to procreate with, and so she's come to steal some, some strong Earth men. I think there are men left, but they're just pathetic. Just weak. Yeah, Whoa, they're weak. Weak and silly. <laughs> <laughs> Bit weepy. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, again, this might not mean very much to many people, but... Already, this this plot is feeling a lot like the two Ronnies, uh, the wor <laughs> the worm that turned <laughs> sketch. Wow, <laughs> you have this inimitable way of digging up memories. <laughs> that was the first thing that crossed my mind when I I heard that bit of plot. So she's crash landed in Scotland. 
She wants to take all the strong men back to Mars. And then she sort of holds hostage about half a dozen people in a in an inn. And she has a, a, an extraordinary robot. Charney. Um, Charney that she uses to sort of like subjugate people and frighten people. And um, and in the end, you'll be pleased to know that um, humans win and the devil girl from Mars is, is destroyed. She is in a, in a rather extraordinary explosion, actually. Yeah. It took Very a long weird. time to come, that explosion. It did. did. They, they dragged that out. <laughs> now, when you, I was thinking about that plot and you sort of think it's a British film. It's got a... Dominatrixy dressed lead oh, yeah. woman. It has a plot line which is where women on Mars have become the master race, and they they need to to repopulate the world with men. This feels so much like it could have been a carry on comedy. Oh, completely, doesn't it? Easily. In fact, I think somewhere people have called it "Carry On Girl from Mars." <laughs> carry on up the Mars. So the cast, the people who are in the in this Scottish inn, we've got we've got the owner of the the inn, who's a sort of like a fierce Scottish matron. It's a good part, I think. Yeah, who is married to a guy who just wants to drink whiskey. Who Dad's is Army's private Fraser? <laughs> private Fraser. <laughs> what all doomed? <laughs> which was so fun to see. <laughs> So you've got those two. You've got um, the barmaid, who seems like a very nice person, is sort of a bit overly romantic at the beginning, isn't it, when they're talking about this, that there's a, a meteor, meteorite that has fallen to Earth, which isn't Doris. a meteorite, it's actually um, the spaceship. And Doris and is romantically talking about meteors and f- shooting stars and f- stars falling to Earth and all that sort of stuff. With Tommy. Who's Tommy? Oh, the Tommy boy. the little boy. So there is a there's a little boy who's also at the inn who is uh, the nephew of the owner. Yes. Whose parents are in coming up from London to take him home. <laughs> um, then you've got uh, a sort of mysterious woman. Um, Hazel Court. What's her character name? Ellen Prestwick. Ellen Prestwick, yeah, who we later find out is is sort of like hiding from a a, a failed love affair with a married man in London. So a she's fashion ca- designer. <laughs> Sorry. Super suspect. <laughs> <laughs> um, then you've got a professor and a, a journalist who have come to investigate the this meteorite. Yeah, the professor is Professor Arnold Hennessy and the journalist is Michael Carter. Now, is Michael Carter the journalist? Is he supposed to be American? Or Canadian, because the accent's a bit A wayward off. accent, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so there's those two. Then there is also an escaped convict who has, has just escaped from prison and is on the run in the Highlands and who turns up at the inn because he's actually in love with Doris. Yes. The bar person. Uh, he's he's was he was jailed for accidentally murdering his wife. <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of discussed on a two or three occasions, and we don't know whether he has actually bumped her off or whether it was an yeah, accident. Not sure. Um, then there's David, who is uh, like a what is he? Just like a retainer, like a helper, isn't he? He's a helper. He's differently abled. He's got um, he's got a, a limp, and he doesn't speak at all. And he just he just sort of 
looks he looks at people with a shocked look on his face constantly yeah, yeah. and he is um spoiler alert he gets bumped off pretty quickly oh, yeah quite well yeah quite shockingly because of the reasons why naya does it so so then the 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 rest of the sort of cast comprises of naya the devil girl from mars and i suppose charney the robot charney yeah charney is is our first um smeg f- refrigerator robot <laughs> well yeah more He's on huge. them to come it's extraordinary it is so extraordinary um so oh yes booze plays quite a lot oh my god they just part drink this, isn't it they're, they're always drinking yeah and there's a character played by the dad's army dude who is sort of like a drunk isn't he he's, he's yeah, just John Laurie. he's always on the lookout for booze but the 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 journalist there's a little there's a little section where the journalist michael is talking to Ellen, and she says, she t- says to you, you know, you're drinking quite a lot. And he lists the reasons why he drinks. And he was in the Spanish Civil War. He was part of D-Day. There's a couple of other things. And it, and it sort of makes you think about that sort of period. Like men, men maybe in that period who would have seen, I mean, it's just like, just blood, bloodshed and slaughter, isn't it? That, that's oh, yeah. all they saw. They no just hopped they... from one conflict to another. Yeah. Um, so, you know, sort of forget how many wars people have been through. And I know we've said it before, but it feels like a lot of the a lot of the films that we've watched in this period kind of reflect that, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. Can we just remind everyone that it's only an hour and ten minutes long and it just sounds like it's like a three-hour epic? <laughs> this description of this is... This description, I'm determined that one day our podcast will be longer than the film's running time <laughs> for a film. <laughs> so um so the, the arrival of Naya the devil quite girl spectacular yeah nice bit of special effects work i think with yes, the spaceship yes spielberg was impressed with this like that well i i read something that said that spielberg and george lucas could have been influenced by this film that they would have yeah. been around about 10 or 11 when this film was showing i think there's enough evidence especially from uh, Hazel Court, to say that she spoke to Spielberg and he did say it was a bit of an influence on him. I mean, that is amazing. I think it's because they put a bit, an effort, a bit of effort in on, on, on the, the ship. Yeah, they did. It does look quite nice. Even though a part of it is actually... It's a clutch housing with the flywheel still attached. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the ship is? Yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely love it. So, so Naya, the devil girl from Mars, she turns up in spectacular fashion by landing a spaceship on the in the garden of the of this inn. Then she goes. It's just out the back, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. She goes inside. She tells them all that she's sort of put a, a force field around the. I mean, I she's think f- you should really speak about her entrance. Go on. The ship has a lovely um, door that opens and a big. Uh, um, Oh, what's it called? Ramp. The Devil Girl's ramp comes out, and she walks down it spectacular form with with a huge PVC cape on, and then she just appears at the French windows. <laughs> she flies them open and clashes with the chintz curtains <laughs> with her outfit, and 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 there she is. Yeah, this is her entrance. Yeah, and then she proceeds to do that another ten times. Yeah, and and the thing that she, I mean, she just constantly bangs on about. 
the power of Mars, doesn't she? And the power of, behold, the power of another world. And that sort of, all that sort of caper. So she uh, demonstrates the fact that she has got lots of power because she's put this force field around the inn. Nobody can get in, nobody can get out. Um, and then she shows them the, her true power. And she says, <laughs> she says, watch the power of another world. And she's standing outside the spaceship and she holds up what looks to, to be a whisk, a whisk, holds up a whisk, <laughs> and then the robot appears from the spaceship. I mean, I've got my description of the robot is a fridge with mechanical horses' hooves. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. The feet. They are ho- hoofy, aren't they? They are hoofy. But only t- that, that's, that might make you think, if you've not seen it, that, that the, the robot is on all fours, but it's not. It's, it's basically no. a. It's a, it's a fridge it's a fridge man, a with, large with fridge man. Ant like arms that look like they're made out of styrofoam cups. Yes, and is it is it, I mean it's big, isn't it? It's about, it looks about fifteen feet tall. Yeah, it's huge. Um, but it's <laughs> so slow and lumbering. Did you read the Wikipedia description that it was actually mechanical? Yes. I know. No. I didn't understand this really because it said that didn't it say that there was a lot of um, problems with getting it to work? Yeah, I, I I can't imagine that being especially when it walks down the ramp. Well, I say walk. <laughs> that would even I can imagine that that would if it was fully mechanical would just be incredibly difficult. Yeah. But I mean, I'd, I was quite surprised when I read that it was mechanical because that there's a the shot that you're talking about is a shot where you sort of see the hoofy feet walking down the ramp, and it looks to all intents and purposes like it's somebody inside doing it. Bit suspect, <laughs> a little bit suspect. But then the next thing is that that um, the devil girl from Mars uh, demonstrates this power, this extraordinary power that the that they have at their disposal. And gets the the robot to sort of disintegrate things. And the first thing that that it disintegrates is a tree, dead tree, a dead tree. And I thought to myself, well, I mean, to be fair to humans, I know that obviously we're puny compared to that, but I mean, we could we could turn a tree to ash, couldn't we? We can, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We can do that. Um, and likewise, we can get rid of... There was a, a barn as well that they got rid of. There was a car before that. A car before that. You think they're, they're all things that like, humans can do. I wasn't that impressed, is what I'm saying. I, I didn't feel like... I thought, I thought you know, we can do all of those things. What did you want it to do? Well, something that showed me the power of another world. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted it to, to come good on that on that statement. Drag the moon down to the planet Earth. Yes. Yes, that, yes I would have, quite frankly. I would have enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it feels like there's been so many of these robots where they're used to sort of demonstrate enormous technological advancements and power that they could become the, the you know, the the end of all of us. And yet again, it's another one that just... Uh, it, what you see does not live up to that, Billy. They're just writing checks their asses can't cash. Correct. Don't they? <laughs> that, that'll date. We don't write checks anymore, do we? No, we don't. <laughs> we don't. We haven't talked about the death of John. Which one's John? David, sorry. David gets so unceremoniously lasered into nothing but his glasses. So he is. he's bumped off early doors... 
She doesn't yeah. like the cut of his chip. I suppose he doesn't. I mean, she's she had she does say later that she's here for strong men, doesn't she? She but, is. But does that mean she's going to kill all other men? Well, apparently, yeah, she's going to go to London uh, and she's going to be selective on her men. Yeah, and uh, and she does say that she can um, f- freeze everybody in London and just walk around like she's in Harrods men's department and choosing <laughs> just choosing <laughs> just choosing men. Yeah. So, would you mind describing the outfit that the devil girl from Mars wears in this movie? The first impressions of it, when you see it, you're just going to say that's just PVC, and it is PVC. So yeah. when she's first seen, she's seen from a distance walking down the ramp of the ship, and she is completely cowled in a PVC cape that goes from her neck right down to the floor. Yeah, is the is the cape because she's got a um, like a skull cap yeah. sort of thing on as well is that part of the cape or is that completely separate no do you think? it's completely separate and it's kind of it's kind of like a scalloped bobbed haircut with a widow's peak at the front <laughs> so we've got ca- long cape yeah. we've got strange scalloped headpiece yeah and then uh she's got like shoulder pads that stick out yeah uh, revealing an incredibly tight outfit, which apparently she was sewn into and she wasn't allowed to eat and drink during filming. Thank God that filming was short and sweet, uh, which goes down. It's cinched into the middle with a belt and then goes down to a mini skirt. Yes. A very tiny mini skirt, which predates the mini skirt of the 60s. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It does. And then she's got um, calf length black boots on. I mean, Which is, again, incredibly fetish. Yeah. It's just that full-on cape, and then you open it, and then there's that tiny little outfit underneath. Yeah. Am I getting quite excited? <laughs> you clearly are. But also, I mean, you sort of think, thank goodness for the cape, because in uh, the it's set in Scotland, the film. I mean, in the, the, the dreechy mizzle of the Scottish Highlands, then... You're going to need something to protect you from the, the elements. Dreaky mizzle. I love it. <laughs> She's also got full-on gloves that's part of the outfit. They're not... You can't take them off. They're attached. They're, They're sort amazing. of like fetish washing up gloves. Oh, <laughs> that's the fetish rabbit hole I went down trying to find out who designed that outfit. And who did design the outfit? Ah, oh, the jury's out on this one. It's it in some places it's quoted as a, a guy called Ronald Cobb. Now he designed a lot of outfits for uh cabarets in London, especially one particular cabaret called Murray's Cabaret Club. Now I've looked at his outfits because there's uh the V and A have got a lot of them and a lot of his sketches, and they don't fit the bill. But there is another guy that's quoted, John Sutcliffe. Now, he's a fetish photographer and also a, a fetish outfit creator. He created a lot of these full-on PVC, full leather outfits so you can't see any flesh on the women at all. Mm. But looking at John Sutcliffe's outfits, he is so the designer of Naya's outfit. Right. He did, and one of the reasons why I think he's disappeared is because um, he brought out a magazine called Atomage, which was completely and utterly fetish. Hmm. And the prudish British society at the time, well, actually, I'm talking about 1985. They didn't like it. They raided his um, 
his publishing house and within an hour they destroyed everything. I know. Oh, my God. Devastated Mr. Sutcliffe. So it's all incredibly mixed. Hmm. I really never really got to the bottom of it. But you think that John Sutcliffe is the designer? Yeah, looking at his work and looking at Ronald Cobb's work. I mean, Ronald Cobb's work was very, uh, very cabaret of the time, but not fetish. There wasn't anything fetish at all. And considering the people who were going to Murray's Cabaret Club, which was Princess Margaret, the Duke of Edinburgh. Oh, the Cray twins used to go, Peter Sellers and Jane Birkin. And they used to have uh, hosts and... Two of the hosts were Christine Keeler and Mandy Rice Davies. Wow. Of the uh, Profumo affair. Very interesting. It is very interesting. Very interesting. And that, that is the that is the stuff that I can actually talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll uh, add the add all this to the show notes. We do show notes every week. Okay. Um, and so you can they're in, in the description in the podcast, so you can be able to click on them and you'll be able to see all the stuff about uh, John Sutcliffe and various other things that we chat about uh, in the episode, but in a little bit more detail. The the rabbit hole I went down for this was that right at the beginning, on one of the, the, the credit slates, it says that it was based on a stage play. Yeah, that's right. Oh, you went, oh, good, because I didn't go there. So this is what I found out about that, is that, and it's got, it's sort of like, it dovetails in with something else that I was looking at, which is about the the two the producers of this film who were known as the Danzigers. So, so apparently the genesis for this production was that the Danzigers were doing something else. They'd booked studio time, and they'd finished early, and so they had ten days where they could do something. And so that this is the result of that, which might make some sense of why the script is so. Uh, <laughs> Tight. She would say it's tight. 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 That perhaps gives it, lends it some sort of, uh, buffs it a little bit um, because it's not a great script, to be honest. Um, So, uh, but it's it says at the beginning it's based on a stage play uh, by John C. Mather and James Eastwood. So John C. Mather, in an interview, said that it was common practice for B movie creators to say that the film had been adapted from a stage play in order to lend it a sort of um, an air of respectability. Some people think that having based on a stage play credit might also mean a bit more money for the writers, possibly. Oh, okay. But one thing, because this is the other thing that I thought about Devil Girl from Mars, is that it feels like it's right at the centre of a web of films that we have been fascinated by. So John C. Mather who was one of the writers, was also a theatre producer in London, who one of the things he did in 1951 was bring Bela Lugosi to Britain to tour the stage version of Dracula. Now, uh, if you've not listened to our episode on uh, Old Mother Riley (laughs) meets the vampire, Bela Lugosi made that film that we looked at because the, the stage version of Dracula sort of didn't happen in the way it was supposed to happen, and so Bela Lugosi needed some money to get back. So I thought that was really interesting. I thought as well the fact that the film has uh, connections to, um, or thematic connections to the day the earth stood still so in in the way the some of the props are and the ramp coming out of the ship. But also I was reading 
about the fact that Naya is intended to evoke an anti-Virgin Mary image. Yeah, I read that. Uh, and as you pointed out, the um, Klaatu in The Day the Earth Stood Still adopts the name Carpenter, sort of like lending him a sort of like a Christ-like image as well. And so th- this is the sort of like the reverse of that. And I don't quite know if I think I'd, be, I, I, I'd go with that idea of her being an anti-Virgin Mary character. What do you think about that? I read it in two in two places that that's what they were going for but um apart from that there were, i didn't get really any citation that that was the case yeah it feels like it's a bit of a reach that i think what would i definitely think there is uh, nods in the direction of uh, the day the earth stood still most definitely yeah her entrance the ramp the ship uh the robot that does nothing yes uh apart from disintegrates a few things it's yeah. definitely that's definitely it well, I'd say as well that, that that again, I've read that George Lucas was was inspired by this film. You sort of think, you know, old C three PO. So you've got you've got C three PO, you've got Gort, and you've got old <laughs> old Mother Riley. Oh my God, <laughs> Those three films that we are either have looked at or will be looking at that all seem to sort of like have tendrils coming from Devil Girl from Mars. She could be uh, Darth Vader's fetish girlfriend, couldn't she? That, she certainly could. Uh, the cowl on her head. Yeah. So, what do we think of the robot in Devil Girl from Mars? I mean, if it was mechanical, it gets my thumbs up. Does it? Oh, because if it, if it is mechanical, yeah. Because I, you know, hats off to them for for doing it, trying to create something that's practical. But yes, I totally get that it's a it's a sort of technical marvel if it is fully mechanical. <laughs> but it's still, it it just is so slow and lumbering and so unfrightening that I I mean okay like tick in the in the old technology box, but. I mean, it's just shit, isn't it? Oh God, yeah, it is shit. Yeah, but it's it's like um, different shit. Do you think that it is, in the way that some of the films that we've seen recently in the fifties have had human technology and 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 sort of the terror of what human technology can do at their heart? Do you think that this is a film that in any way expresses fear of uh, feminism completely i think it does i, I mean rather than a... be be a film that is promoting it's like saying we want strong female characters it's basically saying that yeah, feminism it's a is fear a scourge of the strong woman it's yeah. a fear of of and look at her outfit <laughs> okay that's it let's draw a line under devil girl from mars i enjoyed it but i will never watch it again i want to watch it again to count how many times she comes through the french windows <laughs> <laughs> there was something really charming about it. Yeah, I yeah. Thought. Um, and slightly dangerous. And slightly dangerous. It's a bit of a cult classic. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Right, let's properly draw a line under Devil Girl from Mars. Thanks very much for listening. We'll be, uh, be a, there'll be another episode dropping very soon. Uh, have a great week. Um, until we meet again, goodbye.